0: Hey y'all and welcome back to All Is Well with me, Marina Zaran. Today I bring you my first deep dive, a mini episode talking all aspects of wellness that I love. And we're talking about detoxification mechanisms. What are they? How to support them? And what practices and nuggets of information you can take to elevate your wellness game. In the show notes of every episode, you can find resources, links, tips, tricks, and more of all the things that were talked about or referenced throughout this episode. I hope you enjoy. Let's get started. This is a really powerful topic, understanding detoxification, how it works in the body, all the organ systems that it influences, and how it might be keeping you from feeling well on a daily basis. That's information that's like a key to elevating your health and wellness on a daily basis, as well as supporting yourself for long-term resilient functioning. What's really cool about functional medicine in particular, and the modalities that also fall within that umbrella, such as traditional Chinese medicine, naturopathy, Ayurveda, is that we're really teaching you to identify specific subtle imbalances. So in this particular case for today, talking about detoxification mechanisms, we're going to explore when we start to identify a specific organ system is experiencing just a little bit too much toxic load. And we're going to talk about practices and ways to stimulate and upregulate natural detoxification mechanisms so we can release that and support a decongestion of the body and of the mind take a moment and think about what you might think our major detoxification method is aka what system of the body is responsible for the majority of releasing toxic waste toxic load any potential pathogen that comes into the body anything that needs to go well ladies and gents if you guessed it bowel movements are indeed correct We gonna talk about poop. So bowel movements are a major one, primary detoxification mechanism. And having a bowel movement every single day is a very good marker for overall health and wellness. If you do not have a bowel movement every single day, this is a fantastic place to start. If you experience constipation and you have very scant, small, dry stools, this is a focus that you might bring to the forefront of your mind and that helping your body process and support what you're putting into it requires a bowel movement every single day. Preferably, that first bowel movement happens within the 30 minutes of waking each morning. Now, best case scenario, you're actually waking up with the urge to release a bowel movement. What makes a bowel movement? Well, you need three things. You need water, you need fiber, And that final component is that solid waste, that matter that is being released. If you are not having a daily bowel movement, ask yourself this, am I consuming enough water that's 75% of your stool? And if you're chronically dehydrating, this could be that sticky little culprit that's keeping you from having delightful bowel movements every single day. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, no, I'm pretty good about getting my water intake in, we're gonna move on to the next component. Consider your fiber. Are you getting enough soluble fiber? My favorite way to get in fiber is through a smoothie. And I do two tablespoons, which is that herbal dosage that we're looking for. Two tablespoons. And I'll do either ground chia, ground flax, or ground psyllium husk. And the reason why we want it ground is because it's far more soluble and more readily digestible into the body. Fiber in general is just a wonderful component to add to your diet. And you'll see that through the increase of quality from your stool. Okay, so we have fiber, we have water, and now we have the last component, which is the material that makes up your stool. This is specifically for those who might not be eating enough. You need that matter, that material to deposit out into the world. And so if you're not getting enough nutrients, this could be a factor for you to consider. And if you know all of those three components are taken care of, we can then move to the tonification of the colon. What the heck does that mean, you might be thinking? Well, we're talking about quite literally the tissue that makes up the colon. Tissue in the body, smooth muscle that makes up many of our organs, is responsible for a lot of movement and functioning with moving parts inside of us. And so your colon is responsible for moving and contracting the stool out of you. This is also called peristalsis. It's that light cramping that you might feel as the stool is making its way from you into the world. So if you have saggy colon tissue or detonified colon tissue, you're going to struggle to have that cramping effect, that peristalsis effectively work to remove the stool out into the world. And so if that is your particular imbalance, there is different herbal integration that could take place to support tonification of the colon. However, my favorite way to bring ease and pacify this imbalance is through what we call a bhasti in Ayurveda also known as an enema, but instead of doing it with salt water, which I find to be a big no-no because it's very drying to the tissue, you actually do it with oil. This is a very traditional practice seen in TCM, Chinese medicine, and Ayurveda, but not just for its properties of medicinal support to the colon, but also for its properties of bringing warmth and support inside the body, and so used specifically with times of grief and sorrow. So BASTIs are a wonderful way to support colon tissue if you are experiencing severe constipation or that lack of tonification in the colon. So we've covered the power of the bowel movement, and you might have some other tricks up your sleeve that might be more intuitive than you think. For example, a lot of us don't feel that quality bowel movement when we're traveling, especially if you're on a flight for good reason. We experience a lot of gaseous expansion in the body, and so there's a drying effect. We also dehydrate significantly while we're on a plane. So if you're not feeling that urge to have a bowel movement after you've been on a plane, there's good reason for that. So my tips and tricks for experiencing constipation when you travel are the following. Number one, stay hydrated. We already covered that, so I won't spend too much time there. However, I will say, if you can pick a hot beverage, that'll do wonders. Drink a hot tea. If you don't have tea, get some hot lemon water. This is something that's usually offered on planes, at restaurants, in a hotel. There's a lot of ways that you can get access to something as simple and powerful as hot lemon water. Lemon water is also fantastic for metabolic health overall. So if you're feeling a sluggishness in the digestion itself, this will help you. That brings me to bringing heat into the digestive tract in general. You can do that a couple ways. The fun way to do it is to eat some spicy food. However, some of us don't like spicy food. That's not me. I love spicy food. But if you're not particularly keen on spicy food, start by adding black pepper to your meals. Add black pepper to a lot of your meals. Add a healthy freaking dose to it. This is a surefire way to support metabolic integrity and get things moving and digesting efficiently so that hopefully you can prime the gut to have a good bowel movement. In Ayurveda we look to pepper as what we call a digestive dipana, a digestive aid. It primes the gut for you to properly execute a bowel movement. Those are my tips and tricks. Number 1, hot lemon water, number 2, adding pepper when you're traveling because they're super easy and accessible and they're both available in most places. Now that we've covered the bowel movement in great detail, we shall move on to our second major detoxification mechanism. Can you guess? Ladies and gentlemen, it's our skin. Our skin is our largest organ. It's massive. It's beautiful. It's very responsive to our external stimuli. It's constantly expanding, contracting, and responding to the stimuli around us. Our skin is a fantastic tool for tapping into internal imbalances and we use it oftentimes when speaking about the liver, the eyes, and the gut. However, today we're going to get a broad stroke and idea about the power of the skin as a detoxification mechanism. Because the skin is made up of many, many, many pores, and it also happens to cover the majority of the surface area of our body, it's a great and efficient way for you to release secretions, for you to release built-up toxicity in the body. And when we say releasing toxicity in the body, what we mean is your organ systems are working very hard, all 11 of them, and your skin is one of those organ systems. By the way. And anytime you have an efficient optimization of taking in nutrients, you need an efficient optimization of rating all of that which no longer serves you. So, this is what we mean by detoxification. We don't mean like detox, I'm using air quotes here, and the way that you might see in mainstream media the body, it detoxes itself all the time through the use of many different organ systems through many different orifices, of which we will cover most of those today. So look at detoxification as something that you already do. We're just bringing attention to how it happens, where it goes, and what to do with it. So we're covering the skin. Detoxification through the skin often looks like sweat. We want to promote sweating. 20 minutes a day is a great goal for all of us to achieve in order to promote our sweat mechanism of detoxification. It's not only good for releasing that which no longer serves you in the body, but it's fantastic for the skin itself. It's good for those pores to expand and to contract through hot and cold, through stimulation and all sorts of activity. So sweating is a fantastic way to support detoxification in the body. If you'd like to bring optimum efficiency to sweating, if you've already got sweating down and we're looking at more than 20 minutes a day, Dry brushing or wet brushing is a fantastic way to decongest the skin. If you have topical irritation on your skin and this looks like contact dermatitis or any abrasions on the skin that we know are coming from external influences, this could be the skin is sensitive to makeup. That would be a good indication that the skin is being bothered from the outside in rather than the inside out. And that might take some skill development or you talking and consulting with a health practitioner. But if you do have that skin imbalance from the outside in, wet brushing or dry brushing is a fantastic tool for you because we're decongesting the skin to allow for it to be at its prime, for it to engage in its surveillance system and understand when something is a threat. And we do that through the skin's own landscape of bacteria through millions and millions of microflora living on your skin. Wet brushing and dry brushing, they're one of those things that once you start them, you'll never look back and that it not only decongests the skin, but it supports with bringing strong elasticity to the skin. So we want it to be able to expand, but we also really want that skin to be able to contract. And so bringing that movement style to the skin on a regular basis is fantastic for your elasticity, especially as you age. So I dry brushed for years, which is taking a paddle brush with long bristles. It's similar to what you brush a horse's hair with. So you can picture that. I dry brushed for years. However, it was kind of hard on the skin. It felt a bit abrasive. And so I adapted my practice to wet brushing. I brought the brush into the shower. I suds it up with soap and I scrub, 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 scrub. And that works for me. I know a lot of people that dry brush, but if the skin feels sensitive or it just does not feel right, like there's a lot of redness, there's a lot of dry particularly in the winter and colder months try wet brushing. It's fantastic. So in the case of wet brushing, you're adding soap onto the wet brush and you're scrubbing the body. Take strokes to the heart, long strokes from the tips of the fingers all the way past the shoulder towards the heart. Same with the legs. You can make circular like movement on the chest, on the low belly area, but we like those long movements towards the heart so we can promote any stagnation of venal blood in the body to move all the way back towards the heart, specifically in the lower extremities like the legs and the thighs and the butt area. If you do this every day, you will thank me. I swear it changed my life. I had some serious skin irritation for about two years because I got my makeup done for an event and I just could not bounce back. It was like spray makeup and I had never experienced that before. And so I brought wet brushing into my life consistently I used it on my neck, on my chin, on my shoulders, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Wet brushing is a fantastic tool, even if the skin is healthy and glowing. Keep it in your life because it decongests all the things that you cannot see. There are many pollutants, there are many irritants out in the air that come in contact with your skin every single day, and we want to give the skin an opportunity to decongest itself. Those millions of pores on the skin, they need to be able to breathe. Think about it as if your skin is literally breathing. Now, we really can't talk about skin health and wet brushing without following it up with a practice that must be paired with wet or dry brushing, and that's self-oiling. In Ayurveda, we call this abhyanga, and I'm going to continue to refer to this practice as abhyanga because it really has its roots and its cultural significance. Oil in Sanskrit and love are quite literally the same word, sneha, and I think that's So beautiful and such a wonderful fact. And this is a practice of self-love and compassion that you extend towards yourself. You cover your body in oil, not in lotion, in oil and just pure oil. It agrees with the skin and not only does it rehydrate the skin, but it offers nutrients to the billions of microflora that are living on the surface of your skin that is keeping your skin healthy every single day. If you have a pH imbalance or an imbalance of microflora on the skin, oil your skin. Begin to remove those products that have perfumes and that have specific chemical agents that are removing the flora, that are removing the bacteria on your skin that is meant to be there, that is designed by nature's intellect to keep your skin Healthy. I abianga at least twice a day. I abianga in the morning and I abianga in the evening. But my favorite time to do it is after a shower because most of us who take warm showers, you're expanding the skin, you're opening the pores, and you're hydrating it quite literally through the water. Best time to bring moisture into the skin after it's been hydrated. It's not as effective to oil the skin when it's already dry. So you notice texture and the quality of the skin changes when it's been in the presence of water for a significant amount of time. That's the best time to oil. I Abianga every single time I get out of the shower. I oil my body from head to toe and it feels amazing. I also wet brush every time I'm in the shower. So these practices, they go hand in hand. But I also Abianga in the morning. It's a fantastic way to support overall resilience in the skin. I'm very passionate about the skin. It's a magnificent, understated organ. Taking care of it will only support lasting health and wellness for you. There's a reason a lot of us love skincare routines and we enjoy taking time to apply moisturizers or face masks and so on. It's an intimate practice. And so use Abhyanga and wet brushing as an opportunity to connect with yourself. Moving on from the skin, detoxification mechanisms practically happen at every orifice in the body. So that looks like bowel movements. We talked about skin through the pores. And then you have your eyes, your ears, that's earwax, eyes, eye secretions, nose, mouth. We'll talk about that. You ever look at your tongue and see this little coating on the top of the tongue? It might change colors. You might've noticed a grayish, kind of scaly coating on the top of the tongue. You might have noticed a fluffy, white, thick mucosal coating on the tongue. You might've noticed a very red tongue with red edges and a red tip or little hot spots. The tongue is a magnificent place for you to look, to identify where you're at with digestion. Ayurveda, the tradition of Ayurveda, an ancient Indian medicine, loves tongue diagnosis. I love tongue diagnosis. I could look at tongues all day. And what's amazing is each tongue gives you a glimpse into the person's current standing of health. Because we're talking about detoxification mechanisms in the body and how the body releases toxicity, that which no longer serves us we know that we're going to look at the tongue in this context of what is being released and how do we get rid of it we're talking about the plaque that's on the top of your tongue depending on the color texture and amount we can really identify a lot so we're going to go through that so let's dive in a little bit deeper huh tomorrow morning when you go to brush your teeth stick out your tongue take a look in the mirror and notice the color of the coating on the top this is also considered a plaque in ayurveda we call it ama AMA if you've never experienced tongue scraping before it's this small metal curved u-shaped piece and you use it to scrape the tongue You'll get a better idea of the quality the texture and the color of the plaque when you tongue scrape And so when you buy your tongue scrape which you should you can get them online for very cheap Make sure you get a metal one not a plastic one So you're scraping your tongue You'll notice the color and let's say it's that white fluffy mucus that thick coating That lets us know that there's a little bit of sluggishness in the digestion. You'll often see this after eating dairy or after eating a meal with a lot of gluten or after eating ice cream, something with a lot of sugar and a lot of fat. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. We're just identifying what's happening. If you have a lot of plaque on the tongue and it's getting greater in excess and quantity, then we're going to look at other ways to support the gut and the digestion to maybe burn up some of that ama or adjusting some of your dietary principles to support overall gut health. Looking at your tongue gives you insight on how you're digesting your food. So if you have that white thick plaque, we know there's a lot of dairy, there's a lot of fat. Again, nothing wrong with a lot of fat in the diet or just using this as a tool to identify what's going on internally. On another day, you might look at the tongue and you notice that it's a little bit gray, a little bit flaky, kind of like coming off in flakes, scant. The tongue itself, you can see some of the little papillae, those teeny tiny little points on the tongues and you're scraping your tongue and there's not a whole lot on there. It looks like a little slimy almost. This is an indication that there's slight lack of nutrition and some dehydration. This is very common and you'll often see this if you stayed up very late, you didn't drink enough water, and we're not talking about when paired with drinking. We'll get to that in a moment, but this is more specific to consuming a lot of food and beverages that aren't necessarily supporting hydration and nutrition our third most common state of the tongue it's going to look red red on the edges, red in the center, and this is very common after you eat a lot of spicy food or you drink alcohol. Well, spicy food and alcohol are very acidic and very hot. They increase the rate of your metabolism significantly. So if you eat a lot of spicy food or you drink a lot of booze, you upregulate the metabolic function inside of the gut and you're burning a lot more a lot faster. So you don't have the plaque or the ama that you might regularly have on any other day. Crazy, right? So yes, you might not have the plaque, you might not have the ama, but you likely have a highly acidic gut. So that requires its own support in various ways. The tongue is interesting and it's fairly simple to support decongestion of the tongue. Tongue scrape. Tongue scrape every day. And if you're getting older and you notice that there's more plaque and ama on the tongue. Tongue scrape in the mornings and tongue scrape in the evenings. Give it a shot and then reach out to me because I'd love to hear about how amazing it is to release that tongue from all that plaque, to decongest it, and to take a little glimpse into what's happening with your gut. Last but not least, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about what it means to detoxify the mind. The body can be a scapegoat a lot of times for our imbalances. But in integrative medicine, we look at the whole picture. Functional medicine is to identify the root cause of disease. But integrative medicine, we look at the whole picture to sustain health. What happens after you pacify the root cause of disease? Supporting the health of the mind is essential. Brain health, mental health, spiritual health. This looks like removing excess toxicity that you bring into the mind. This can look like the TV that you watch, the music that you listen to, If you listen to the news a lot, everything that you are consuming and processing through the mind. So begin to monitor how much conversation, how much stimulation and interaction upregulate negativity, stress, dysfunction in the mental space. Explore that for yourself. Consider is there one practice that you can release that contributes to excess stress in the mind? Is there one practice that you can bring in routinely that would support resilience and ease in the mind? For me, that's meditation and yoga. That's space without sound or distraction. That's being in nature and finding inspiration around me through the natural elements. To remove an element that causes stress in the mind, for me, that's creating boundaries around who I spend my time with, who I co-regulate with which means who I choose to share my energy with. That looks like who I give it to and who I receive it in return from. How you spend your time, it's crucial. And so explore these elements. Ask yourself, what does it look like for me? What does brain health, mental health, spiritual health look like for me? Today we talked about a lot. This episode is foundational. It's foundational in building health and wellness and body and mind. We talked about what it looks like to support the body in its route towards receiving balance and what it looks like when we detoxify through specific organ systems. We looked at bowel movements, what to do and how to support them and uncovered some of my favorite practices to support such as oil bastis or enemas, drinking warm lemon water or adding an extra dose of pepper to your food. We also covered detoxification through the skin, our largest organ and we explored what it looks like to wet brush or dry brush, and pair that with an abhyanga practice. We also covered detoxification through the mouth. And although you might have never heard of it, tongue scraping is an amazing practice in removing plaque and giving you insight on how the gut is doing. And lastly, we talked about detoxification of the mind, looking into what you're calling in, what you're consuming, and how it affects you. We looked at ways to release that which does not serve us, in order to bring in that which does. Thank you for joining me on another episode of All Things Well with Marina Zoran. Talk soon.